Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment. You can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health 
right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Now entered the house of mystery. With your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. Heard on KCW 106.5 FM Los Angeles, 102.3 FM Riverside, and 1050 AM Palm Springs. Welcome back into the House of Mystery, and I am Al Warren. Mr. Michael Hawley is back. It's Tuesday. Hi, Al. How are you doing? Well, I'm always good, even when I'm bad. But what happened with you? You were at the, uh, you're giving a big uh, presentation. You were the speaker yesterday, last night. That's correct. I was uh, on a Sherlock Holmes versus Jack the Ripper uh, lecture, so it was, it went really well. So it was a great time. Well. You know, um, did did any, did you release new information for people? I absolutely did, and so I can't say that right now in public. But yes, actually, uh, I did. Uh, what I discovered a actually a, a wealth of new information. So I wanted to try it on some uh, the audience and see how well it went, and then uh, it went very well. So uh, they're actually asking for the documentary if I could show it to them first. So, but we'll see what happens in the future. <laughs> Oh, so you can tell them, but you can't tell us. Okay. Oh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> because, of course, you've got a, a huge audience. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll, don't, both people will tell them not to listen. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's move on. We've got um, someone waiting from across the big lake um, all the way from uh, Ireland. Um, so let's let's bring her in. We, she's got a new book called Where Loyalties Lie, and we've got best-selling author Val Collins. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much, Alan. Thank you for having me. Before we get into your book, and this is exciting, it's the fourth book in a, in a series here, but before we get into that, how did Val um, get into this world of writing? Okay. Well, I wrote years ago when I was very small. I stopped writing when I was about 10. Because around that time, I realized that you were supposed to have dialogue in books. And when I found I couldn't do it perfectly, my 10-year-old brain decided it didn't want to do it at all. 
So then I never wrote again until I was an adult. And then about six years ago, I was made redundant. And at that time, the job situation in Ireland was really bad. And I was thinking, what will I do next? And I decided I'd write a book. Were you ever worried about what people would say about the book? Like whenever you put yourself in the public like that, did that ever sort of concern you at all? Oh, yeah, of course. I was terrified. But I did it all in very small stages. So by the time I got around to actually releasing my first book, I had already paid for somebody to go through the entire thing with me. I spent a year rewriting it with a mentor. And at that stage, I just committed too much time and money to it. There was no way I wasn't going to publish it at that stage. How do you classify your writing? Like, what kind of writer would you say to people that you are? Yeah, no, I write psychological thrillers. And now, so where do you get that from? Is this something like, do you do you read a lot of other authors like that? Or do you watch shows like that? Or are you, maybe that's your real life. <laughs> no, it's not quite my real life. <laughs> but <laughs> I do read psychological thrillers. I always did. When I, well, I mean, a half a years. When I first started writing, I thought I'd try YA. And I was halfway through a YA book. I just thought it would be easier. And I was halfway through a YA book. And I thought, why am I doing this? I don't read YA, apart from the really popular ones that everyone has read. So I thought, no, I like reading psychological thrillers. I'm going to write a psychological thriller. Yeah, yeah. And so um, now this is a this is the fourth book in a series. That's Each book, of course, is standalone, so they don't have to read it in a particular order or anything, right? No, no. I never planned to write any of them, really. <laughs> I mean, I never planned when I wrote one that there would be a second one. So they're all written as completely self-contained books. Well, that's that's interesting, too, in itself. So when you're when you've written the first book and it's done, you didn't you didn't think, okay, well, I'm going to do a series, four books or five books or anything like that. So you haven't got this all mapped out. No. You're just sort of, you're sort of, what are you just jumping on it after one is done? Then you start thinking of the future of your characters and start moving on? Or how does that happen? Well, I had just, I was just finishing my first book and I was going through, you know, doing a last read through, through it. And then I saw there was a line in it where it mentioned that the main character's father-in-law had disappeared 15 years earlier. And I just thought to myself, what if he was murdered? Wouldn't that make a good second book? So that was when I decided that I'd write a second book. And um, then the third and fourth one just came to me, different stories. I heard people mention things I heard in the news. And I just thought, yeah, OK, that sounds like a good idea for Eva. So that's what I did. So Val, the, uh, so what I'm getting at, it's the same protagonist throughout the books? That's right. Like the, what changes is her life. So when she starts off, she's 23. In her first book, she's 23. She's pregnant with her first child. And she's in a relationship that she thinks is brilliant. But then when things start to go wrong and someone's trying to kill her and her husband doesn't seem to care, she begins to wonder who she married. And by the last book, she has a five-year-old. Okay, so they're still standalone books? They're all all of them are standalone books. Yeah, it's just her life that changes between them. Well, your your main character, Aoife Walsh, like like who is um, Aoife? Like, uh, where does that person come from? I, I guess a lot of writers will always say a lot of the main characters partly themselves. How do you describe? Um, I would Aoife. I wouldn't no. say she was me, no. Um, she started off as a mixture of two people that I knew, and she. I suppose it might have been bitten me in there, but not much. 
And then she just developed her own character as the books went ahead. And so um, what's your experience when you're writing like someone like Aoife? Um, what's your experience with your character? Are you seeing them? Are you hearing them? Do you have no relationship at all? Like I hear all sorts of answers from fiction writers. So how do you, how do you experience your main character? I see all of my characters as if I was watching a TV program. If I can't see them, then they're not working for me. Well, so, but do, do they talk to you then? I don't know if they talk to me exactly. It's just, if I put the, like, if I start off writing, say, a scene where everybody's in a room, then I can see them looking at each other. I can hear them talking to each other. I can see them moving around. It's just like I'm watching a TV program. Okay. So when you write scenes like that, do, you, do the scenes come to you or do you kind of decide what you want to do to your character and then you try to develop the, the scene? No, I'm a terrible planner. I, I can't, I have tried to plan. I just can't do it. So I just start writing. Like when I start my books, I have a very vague idea of what I'm doing. I know who the murderer is. I know why they did the murder and I know nothing else. And I just sit down and write it and see what happens. And sometimes it means I have to end up deleting whole sections of it. But I've tried doing it better ways, and that's the only way that works for me. Well, yeah. So it's kind of off the cuff, huh? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm afraid so. <laughs> but it is a waste of time because then I end up deleting bits, which I hate doing. But, you know, just nothing else works. I have tried other things. They don't work for me. Well, you can always offer the, the unedited version to people. <laughs> well, no, it wouldn't make sense because I'm Yeah, like, no. Yeah, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. Um, well, that's, that's it's, it's interesting. So, what what are you putting your character through in this book for? Where 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 loyalties lie? All right. So, in where loyalties lie, there are four there are four people, four young people who go for a walk on the cliffs moor, and then one of them falls off and dies. So, his three friends say that there was an accident, but a stranger who's watching, she says that it was murder, and that one of the young men pushed his friends off of the cliff. So the police investigate it and they can't find enough evidence to press charges. So they let it drop. But the guy who was accused of killing his friend, his family are very rich and they decide they want to take a libel case against the witness who claims that she saw all this. And the legal firm that they use, one of the people who works for that firm is Aoife's friend. So by this stage, by this book four, Aoife is working as a freelance journalist. So her friend says to her, why don't you go and talk to her and see what she can find out? Because it sounds to me like she's got mental health issues if she's saying something that everybody else says is so that everybody else says something completely different about. So that's how Eve gets involved in it. While you're writing that, uh, as you're writing it, and because it's a psychological thriller, your mind is working to say, how can I really screw with this, <laughs> with this person while you're doing it? I mean, is, I mean, is, and it really kind of gets the uh, audience or the reader kind of uh, anxious and excited for the next chapter. Is that kind of how that works with the, the psychological thriller part? Well, yeah, well, with the psychological thriller part, it's concerned very much with the different characters and what the characters are feeling and thinking. Right. But of course. There's, I mean, it's no good if there's no suspense in it. So there are twists and turns everywhere. I try to write very twisty stories. So I try to make it look like, I try to give one picture of a person so that you think there's a particular type of person. And then later on, you find out, well, no, they're not like that at all. They're completely different. Oh, okay. When you actually um, go to write something like this, do you find that um, 
you can just like turn it on. Like if you've got spare time, like if you're free today, 10 to two, can you just sit down and turn it on and write? Or do you have to be in a particular mood? If I had the luxury of being in the mood, I would do it that way, but I don't have the time. So I just write when I have the time. The morning, afternoon, evening, just whenever. Whenever I have the time, yes. <laughs> so wh- where do you get your inspirations from? Well, from different, from different areas. I mean, as I said, the first book, I just thought of it because I noticed that um, step, uh, the, the father-in-law being missing might make a second story. My second book, which is, I'm sorry, my third book, which is The Silent Speak, I got that from talking to a friend of mine, actually, because we were discussing the fact that there was a man in Ireland who killed his family, his entire family. And we were just saying how how unusual that was, because things like that don't normally happen here. And then I just thought to myself, well, what if he didn't really kill them? What if somebody else killed them and it looked like he killed them? So that was the idea from my third book, because in my third book, a man murders his entire family and then his sister says he the police say he did it and then killed himself and his sister says there's no way he would do that so she asks Aoife to look into it right so then um my last book as I said where loyalties lie the four guys on the cliff that came from the news as well actually I heard somebody saying in the news that two young men were walking along the edge of a cliff and one fell off and died and just because my brain doesn't work normally since I started writing thrillers, I thought, well, how does anybody know he fell off? Nobody else. <laughs> so, that, so that was where I got the idea for that last book. And my next book that's coming up in March, that came from a story that my mother told about somebody she knew who was married, who was recently married and was on her honeymoon and was lying on the beach with her husband. She fell asleep. And when she woke up, the husband was gone and was never seen again. Now, in reality, he never, nobody ever found him, so nobody knows what happened to him. They assume he drowned, but obviously wow. it happened in my book. <laughs> well, well, the truth is that you went out and drowned him, right? Same <laughs> as you pushed the guy off the, the, the cliff. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, you... I had thought of that. <laughs> yeah, I got to get a book going here. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, it, it, so what do you hope people get out of your book like when when someone takes one of these home and reads it what is it you hope that they uh they get well i mean i'm not sure i hope that they get anything out of it i mean i don't read psychological thrillers to get anything out of them i read for escapism and i read to be entertained and i read to guess what might happen and to see if i can guess it before i'm told that's what i want out of it a psychological thriller and that's what I'm hoping other people will get out of mind. If there is any kind of a theme going through it, it's that you never know other people and you don't even know yourself sometimes. Who do you use for um, your your extra characters, not your main character? Is it is it from, do you see people out in the coffee shop or walking down the road or in a store or somewhere and you just kind of take that character or some of their personal traits and you develop that into an kind of an extra character or where does that come from no i think most of my characters when i'm thinking of them i have an idea who they are and what they want to do so i think to myself okay who do i know who's like that and then i kind of think of how i think that person would feel and react and then, as I said, as the characters go on, then the characters become themselves. But they start off with the basic idea of me having an idea of who this person is and how they would think. So the truth is, people you don't like in your life, you actually put in and, and kill them, don't you? 
<laughs> a lot of people say that, but actually I don't. Uh, there are people I don't like that are kind of a mixture of people I don't like, not just one person. But there are people I like as well who are in it. Yeah. It's, they, they, you wouldn't recognize themselves because they just start off like that. They don't end up like that person. They end up their own person. Do you, do you have a problem writing evil characters or bad people that are in your stories? Not usually because the bad people in my stories are not all bad, generally speaking. They are normal people that just react badly to certain circumstances. In most cases, now in the case of the guy who went off and murdered his entire family, of who murdered an entire family, I had real difficulty with that because I couldn't even imagine what somebody like that would be thinking. So I ended up uh, reading an awful lot about different people who had murdered their entire families and why they said they did it and what people said about them in the past. But most of them, I don't have trouble with them, no. So you don't have serial killers? Well, that guy, (laughs) not serial killers as in the sense that they go mad killing all over. But in some cases, they have killed already, and then they generally kill during the book as well. So I suppose you might call them serial killers, but not in the sense that most people mean serial killers, no. Yeah, but you you sort of have to describe the character, right? Because do you write it from the person the point of view of the killer or how do you how do you do this in first person third person what's what's your style all my books are third person okay i i, I would just wonder if uh who, what do you think who's your favorite character then the main character well, i suppose she's in all of them so i suppose she's the i suppose yeah i suppose she is i mean she's in all of them so i'm kind of used to her now i've been with her for five years i feel like i know her yeah yeah well, you know, you can kill her off and put someone else in there. <laughs> well, I could, I suppose, but that would be a different book. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to help with ideas here, you know. Just, uh, so how long does it take you to do one of these in, in a series like that? Is it, is it, does it come easier once you've already done book one? Yes, book one took me a very long time. But that was because I had no idea what I was doing. So, I mean, I wrote it. And then I got help with it. And then I had to rewrite the whole thing again. So it did take me forever. I mean, it took me a whole year to rewrite it. And I had, you know, take me, I don't know how long to write it in the first place. All my other books after that have been much faster. But then, of course, I've already created the world. So, you know, I just add in a few more characters. So that's always easier. Is there a lot of research when you do it too? No, I don't really research much because... I looked up that guy, as I said, the the serial killer or the guy who murdered all the families because I had no idea how somebody like that would think. The only other problem I had was with the police because I had absolutely no idea how police would react, what they would do or how they would think in any circumstances. So when I wrote the first draft of my first book, there were no police in it. And when I sent it off to my editor, she said, you cannot write a thriller that has no police in it. So I kind of argued with her for a while because I really didn't want the minute. But anyway, <laughs> in the end, I gave in. And then I remembered that a friend of mine was a policeman. I hadn't, I hadn't spoken to him in years, but I remembered he was a policeman. So then I contacted him. And then he helped me and told me what the police would do. So you did a little bit of research then? Well, yeah, I rang him and asked him. Mm-hmm. I suppose that is research. It was very easy research, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're just getting a personal experience on what someone would do with something like that. 
Um, how, how long, how many do you think you're going to end up writing now that you've got four and you're working on five? What do you think is going to happen? I don't know. I usually, by the time I am finishing up a book, I have an idea already for the next book. I have no idea for book six, so I don't know if I'm going to write one. I want to write another series about a time traveling detective. <laughs> and oh. I've been thinking about that for years, but I just haven't had time to do it. So if I don't come up with an idea for book six, I'm going to start off on my time traveling detective. Wow. So it kind of science fiction sort of. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. I've always liked the idea of time travel, so I just thought I'd give it a chance. Well, I mean, yeah, if you like something, you try it. Why not? You know? Um, so, so are you, now that you, you've written a few now, you've got, this is the fourth book now. Do you ever go back to book one and kind of look at things and kind of think, wow, I wished I had written it this way or want to rewrite your first book? No, I never look at it. I couldn't bear it. I'd look at it and I'd think, oh my God, no, why did I do that? And why did I say this? And why didn't I put a full stop there? All sorts of things. Nothing. I wouldn't be happy with any of it. I couldn't do that. Yeah. Yeah. And you'd never win either. Like when you go no. back and do something you'd want to rewrite and of course you'll never, um, <laughs> you'll, you'll never be happy with it. Right. No, and never. You'll, you'll always change. So are you, so you're going to completely write now for the rest of it, the rest of your life here, you think? <laughs> well, that's my plan. Hmm. Will it always be psychological thrillers? Unless I do the time travel thing and who knows where that might lead to. But I don't think I'd leave the thriller genre. I like the thriller genre. So, de so not uh, true crime, nonfiction stuff. That's out. Oh, oh no, 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 no! I wouldn't want to do that at all. Oh, Al, that screws us up. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I can see because you have to de deal with people personally that have actually done things, and 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 I guess in, with fiction too, the good thing is you you get to decide how it ends. Like in nonfiction, you kind of just. You you don't get to choose on on who wins and who loses or what happens to people because it's the truth. But when you're doing a fiction, I guess you sort of have that freedom. Yeah, well, I mean, I think talking to somebody who actually is a real murderer would be very interesting. But I don't know. I don't know that I'd have. I don't know that I'd really want to do that myself. I think I'd find it very depressing. Well, yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd say so. I mean, I've done it and it's not necessarily depressing. It's just very, um, I think the hardest thing is when you meet someone that actually does that, uh, you know, serial killing or killing a lot of people. I think it's more of a, uh, they seem like a pretty normal person. And if you had met them somewhere else with, with, without knowing that history, you might not, you, you probably wouldn't even think that they would be that type of person or a killer. I think that's the hardest thing to wrap your head around because I think on television and movies, we sort of see serial killers as superior beings that have an extreme way about them. And there's always something special and different and unique. And they kind of, I don't know, I don't want to say idolize, but they beef up serial killers a lot more than what they really are when you meet them. Yeah, you know, I know. Yeah, I know two people who mentioned, I don't know them well, but they both mentioned that they had actually met very well-known serial killers. And they both claimed, one of them had met an awful lot of them in the course of her job. And she said she meant she met one and she said he really felt evil to her. <laughs> and another guy was talking about a number of people who he had met. And he said 
that he thought of one person he met as well, but everybody else seemed very normal. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of it's what you're, when you're going and you know, you're going to speak to someone like even when I had letters from that, uh, Maudsley out of, out of the UK, who was known as Hannibal, the cannibal in a sense, but there, there were, it's, it's nothing like what you would expect. And, and a lot of times people like that have put up a, an image and they present themselves in a certain way because that's how they want to be seen. So in that case, yeah, they, they feel evil. But when they're just, when they're not that, when they're not celebrity, um, it's less, less of that, I would say, personally. But, you know, that's me. Um, so well, that's, that's really interesting. So what, who were, who were your favorite? suspense thrillers like as in tv shows or movies or directors or writers and stuff like do you have any mm, well i read like constantly i read um thrillers so i don't know that i have a favorite i started off i suppose when i started reading the thriller genre i started off as a teenager reading Agatha Christie, who i liked and then i kind of gave it up then and when i went back to it i started off on the child and um, Linwood Barclay and um, oh, I can't think of the name of the guy who does all those Netflix shows. <laughs> There's so many. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry, his, my, his name just escapes me at the moment. And I like all of those, but I like any thriller that I don't guess the ending of it until I'm nearly at the end. Yeah. Yeah. So for you in the books, it's more about the thrill or, or the, um, the mystery. And it's not so much about, um, it, it like people aren't going to read your book and there's a lot of blood and violence in there. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't do that at all. I know sometimes when you synopsize them, they sound like they're violent because a man killing his entire family is pretty violent, but it's only mentioned that this happened. I don't go into it in detail. I don't like graphic violence, the violence, and I wouldn't write it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good way to be, you know. So um, how was – you must have written this book, uh, this last one, uh, over over a lot of the COVID period and stuff. W- did that affect your writing in any way, like the lockdown and the, and all the stress that's going on around it with different countries and stuff like that? And, and that did that sort of get into your head when you were writing? It, it affected me in that I didn't write at all. Oh, I, really? Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah, not a thing I couldn't, I was, I don't know why, even like in the beginning, it was really stressful and like, I didn't feel like writing, but later on when it stopped being really stressful and we were in lockdown and I was at home every single day and I could have written it, I just didn't. And I don't know why I kept telling myself, why don't you write? But then I ended up having this mad rush then at the end because all my books come out in March and I had to get it out in March anyway. Yeah. So it was like a writer's block that you had or just a... You just don't know. It, well, it wasn't writer's block in the sense that most people talk about writer's block because I never turned on the computer. Okay. So so in a sense, it's probably just your emotional state. You're probably a little bit stressed or depressed or upset or something. And in that kind of a case, um, you just had no desire to sit down and write. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. probably what's it, all right. Yeah. Yeah, because I asked a lot of people over that period, and most people um, got into writing really well. They were they, they used it as, a, as an escape from the reality outside of their door. But there was always also some writers like like yourself who were totally stalled, and they just didn't do anything. 
they just mm-hmm. stopped. So that's interesting, you know. It's really well, interesting. Yeah. yeah, no, it was an awful waste. I mean, even at the time I was thinking, this is such a terrible waste of time, but yeah. that was just it was. Yeah. Well, people say that about my writing all the time, too. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> That, that, about yeah. everyone, I'd say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, well, that's it. And so now, Val, how do do you do social media? Or are you inter- interacting with people that read your books? Or are you interested in people? Or um, And if so, do you have a website? Do you have social media platforms that people can find you on? Oh, yeah. I, my website is www.valcollinsbooks.com. And I'm on almost every type of social media as at Val, at Val Collins books. But the only one I'm really active on is Instagram. Oh, okay. okay. Do, do you like um, getting um, reviews and stuff? Do you kind of, um, do you follow your reviews or, you, you know, in this new world, it, I mean, everybody can kind of say things about you now and stuff and you're in the public. Do you, do you sort of get involved with your reviewers? Well, that's what I like about Instagram. Inst- a lot of the people on Instagram have been following me for a long time. So when I bring out a new book, I send it to a lot of them and then they review it for me. And then some of them, when they're reviewing it, they will talk about it and they'll say, well, you know, I'm at, they'll send me messages, like private messages and say, I'm on page 20 and I think so-and-so did it. And then I'm on page 50 and I think so-and-so did it. I love that. I really like to know what people are thinking. And I don't have many yeah. people do that, but I've had a few do it, which is really nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a totally new world now. You know, it's different than it used to be. All right, now that COVID's kind of in the past, um, are you going to be doing book signings or going out anywhere? Well, I sell all my books in America and I live in Ireland, so that's not really an option for me, I'm afraid. Book signing. Oh, come on. <laughs> not in Ireland? <laughs> all right. Not not in Ireland. You don't uh, have any book sales or anything. No, I don't sell my books in Ireland at all. Hmm. It's not. It's a lot easier to sell them in America when you're selling online because all the promotional things are aimed at America. They're not aimed at Ireland. Wow. Yeah, I guess that's true. It's really interesting. Never thought about it before. So, <laughs> wow. Well. Val, it's been very good. Now, so we'll have, of course, your website and everything, and your books will be on our site, so people listening can always pick up your books or find you um, with one click. So we appreciate you being here. Now, the newest book in the series is called Where Loyalties Lie, and the author is has been our guest, Val Collins. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much, Alan. Thank you, Mike. Nice speaking with you. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.